Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. Today is Friday, October the 16th, and I hope that everyone is doing well. It's always important for me to check in and make sure that everyone's taking care of themselves both mentally and physically. The weather has been less than ideal here in New York, but luckily as we move into the winter months, I'm adjusted to it, and I hope that anyone else who's about to experience the winter again is ready for that. We don't know what's to come. Last year, it wasn't too much snow here, and I can't speak for everywhere else, but at least in the Northeast, the weather has been shifting to some extent. I remember when I was a lot younger going out and playing in the snow, there would be six inches of snow, 12 inches of snow pretty regularly. That was something that I would come to expect. And now I don't even know if I'll see snow. I might just see hail or harsh rain. But that aside, I am taking care of myself as I'm asking everyone, you, the listener, I'm asking you to take care of yourself. And we can jump right in with the topic that's the most prominent topic that I need to talk about here today. I spoke about it last week and the week prior. The NBA Finals featuring the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. They faced off. I spoke about Jimmy Butler, a player for the Miami Heat who stepped up like I've rarely seen before a player who was a all-star at best in the regular season became a superstar he stepped up his teammates stepped up props out to Tyler Hero Goran Dragic who was hurt but found a way to play Bam Adebayo these players that at least in pop culture wouldn't have gotten much shine but were able to make large names for themselves because of this NBA Finals And applause is worth giving out to them undeniably because they could have easily just bowed down, rolled over, and got swept. But they graciously won two games, hard fought, their entire hearts were put into it. It's just unfortunate that on the other side of the court, right across from their bench, was one of the greatest players to ever touch a basketball, LeBron James. Anthony Davis, another phenomenal player, stepped up as well, but the question that everyone's asking, the person who's on everyone's mind, is still LeBron James, who on Monday night claimed his fourth NBA Finals championship, fourth NBA Finals MVP, and seemed to inch closer to the conversation that has loomed over his head since he was 15 years old. Could LeBron James, the kid from Akron, Ohio, who's been in the limelight and the face of pop culture since he was a teenager, could he surpass who's acknowledged as the greatest basketball player of all time, most frequently, the great Michael Jordan? But before we narrow it down to LeBron James's legacy, which is the topic that all sports shows are trying to stretch out to its maximum capacity, we have to talk about what the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers themselves winning 
means for the country on a whole. Now, I'm not here to say that this is as groundbreaking or shifting as some political changes that may be taking place as us progressing towards reducing the coronavirus numbers. But at the beginning of this year, and I have to acknowledge this, at the beginning of this year, it seemed like the event that kicked off the, at this point, the streak of just mind-boggling, concentration-breaking, and in some cases, tragic events, this all began with the unfortunate passing of the late, great Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the other passengers who were on the helicopter. An arbitrary event, something that no one saw coming. Everyone woke up on that Sunday morning just expecting to have a conversation. I remember specifically the night before that LeBron James had passed Kobe Bryant on the all-time list for scoring. LeBron James played the Philadelphia 76ers. And in a move seemingly passing the torch, Kobe Bryant just put out praise for him. Congratulations, LeBron James, for passing me. I accept it. It's not anything, any bad blood. It's just that you're great. We're great. We're both great players. And not even 24 hours later, we would find out that he was an unfortunate victim to an event that we don't know if it was preventable or not. But it was something that struck not just the United States, but the entire world as Kobe Bryant was arguably one of the most popular athletes in most continents, especially in Asia, who had reigned him as the king. He was one of the most popular players there. His shoes sold well. He frequented those areas, constantly spoke about the methodologies that they followed. So when this event happened, it deflated the whole world. Just whether you cared about basketball or not, if you had any semblance of an idea of what popular culture, especially in America, was like, you had heard the name Kobe Bryant at least once in your life. So when he passed away, it felt like the air around just changed for more than a couple weeks, but especially the day of and the day right after. And the Lakers turned themselves into a symbol It was not at all their intentions when they began the season. The season was about LeBron and Anthony Davis proving their greatness. But with the unfortunate events where my favorite player of all time passed away, he spent 20 years, his entire career on the Los Angeles Lakers, facing injuries, facing overall just bad teams, but also bringing them five NBA championships arguably the greatest player to ever play for that franchise. So as soon as he passed away, after everything died down to some extent, the somberness died down to some extent and became just championing his impact on the entire world, most notably that of the Mamba mentality. For those unfamiliar, Kobe Bryant promoted a mentality of giving every single thing you do your all. And I know that sounds cliche, but he represented it in a way that very few humans, period, in history have done. We're talking about a guy who plays a sport with the greatest athletes we've ever seen. 
And he consistently, year after year, outworked every single one of them. There's no words to put to that. It's just greatness. So the Lakers, in lieu of this event, took the torch of his legacy and felt that this entire season was no longer about just LeBron James, just about Anthony Davis trying to claim his first championship, just about Lakers fans just trying to get some pride. The entire season for the Los Angeles Lakers became, can we win this in honor of one of the greatest Lakers of all time, Kobe Bryant? And many long months after, a long time in the bubble away from their families, the Los Angeles Lakers did it. LeBron James, who had multiple vintage performances in this NBA Finals, did it. He led this team that was not the favorite to win this year. A team that many acknowledged the Clippers were more talented and should have beat them, but the Clippers couldn't even make it past the Denver Nuggets. The Los Angeles Lakers won in a great fashion. 4-2-4-3-4-1-4-0, it doesn't matter. They got the win. And you could just see the release of emotion as the confetti rained down. Anthony Davis is crying. LeBron James is hugging everyone. Everyone's jumping up and down. Just, again, props to everyone in the NBA, the people who were taking care of the people's rooms, the people who made food. Everyone who was a part of this bubble played an extremely important role. You could argue that the person who cleaned LeBron's room was just as important as LeBron James to making sure that this bubble could make it through. And it did. The NBA completed their season. And LeBron James, a man that many are now calling the GOAT, wins another ring. Anthony Davis a man who seemed doomed to be stranded in the land of New Orleans, playing for the New Orleans Pelicans as a clear top five talent in the league. It seemed like his entire career would be a tale of a man that was a phenomenal player but would only be able to do enough to get his team to the playoffs because that team couldn't surround him with the right talent. But in a blockbuster trade, he teams up with LeBron James and wins his first NBA title, the first of what should be many more considering Anthony Davis isn't even 30 years old yet. Rondo, Rajon Rondo, a former player of the Celtics, becomes the first and I believe the only player to win a ring for both the Lakers and the Celtics, one of the greatest rivalries in the history, the history of sports. There's just so many tales. Dwight Howard, a player who was Arguably one of the greatest centers of all time at his prime. And he would be struck down at the fate of Kobe Bryant, a man who was just too great. He defeats Dwight Howard, who carried his team all the way to the finals. Dwight Howard would continue to be a decent player, but it looked like he would just be a fringe Hall of Famer. When it looked like his career would just be a man who was great for a short period of time. Now he adds a ring to his accolades and to some extent further solidifies that he will likely be a Hall of Fame player. 
just so many narratives to cover this team with obviously the overarching one being winning for Kobe Bryant. So what an honor that was for the Lakers to be a part of this season. And as I have now acknowledged that the most important thing was the dedication to Kobe Bryant was just being able to complete the season as if they weren't, it would have potentially had some catastrophic results on the future of NBA contracts. But to tie this back around to the conversation that everyone is having, is LeBron James, LeBron James, the man who will likely end his career top 10 in every important NBA stat? Is this man who now has four rings, with one of his rings, in my opinion, being the most important ring in NBA history, that being LeBron James bringing an NBA championship to the lost city of Cleveland, a a land that had not won anything in any sport for, I believe, 60-plus years. The answer to this question is no. And I, as someone who has watched the better half of LeBron James's career very closely, I was analyzing it as a kid. I wanted to see how great he could become. I followed the Cleveland years extremely closely. I've seen LeBron's greatness, and I believe in LeBron's greatness. But the problem is here As much as I would love to just anoint him, first we have to acknowledge the fact that no one's going to 100% agree. There's people right now who believe Michael Jordan's the GOAT. There's people who believe Kobe's the GOAT, LeBron, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's an endless list. It's always coming down to preference, what you value versus the other person. So there's never going to be an objective GOAT. But the problem here is... People want to put LeBron in the objective GOAT conversation the way Michael Jordan reigned for so long. Because when we truly look at it, Michael Jordan has been probably the most objective GOAT in all of sports for the longest time. The only people I compare to him are Serena Williams, who I still believe is the objective GOAT for women's tennis. There are some up-and-coming phenomenal players that I think might be able to challenge her on that. I'm a big Naomi Osaka fan, Coco Golf. There's plenty of people that would challenge in that arena, but she's pretty objectively the GOAT in that field. I believe for the sport of golf, Tiger Woods held that crown for a while. No one had ever seen anyone do what he did. He was just a phenomenal golf player that unfortunately his career was to some extent derailed by things outside of the sport itself, in addition to some catastrophic injuries. And the only other person that comes to mind for me is Wayne Gretzky, who in hockey was acknowledged as a GOAT for a very long time. And some people still believe he's undeniably the GOAT because of how ridiculous his stats were. But LeBron has not done enough to be in the objective GOAT conversation. Is he objectively the go of my time, of the post-Kobe Bryant generation? Without a doubt. Once Kobe Bryant got injured, once his career was sliding down, I, I would say as soon as LeBron James won his first championship, up until now, 
LeBron James has been the objective greatest player in the National Basketball Association. If anyone wants to challenge on that, they're going to have a long day. But what made Michael Jordan so great was he was so much better than everyone else for almost every year of his career. And of course, there's the more intangible things, the fact that he's never lost in the finals. He's won multiple defensive player of the years. And I am not joking here when I say that there's multiple players, legitimate great players that speak about having fear struck into them just by looking this man in the eyes. He was that great. And the only player that I've ever heard have a similar impact was Kobe Bryant. The only problem is because we saw, and now I use a royal we, I did not watch Michael Jordan because I was obviously not born yet. But NBA basketball fans watch Jordan do it already. So they like to discount Kobe Bryant because they had saw it before, which is reasonable. I disagree, but it's reasonable. The best chance that LeBron James has to objectively have a case as being the GOAT is going to be at the end of his career. When all of his statistics stack up, if his stats just blow Michael Jordan's out the water by a ridiculous amount, then I'll say he has a case. For now, he has a case as a subjective GOAT, but he's far from being at the objective GOAT arena. One of the big things that's always going to be held over his head is he's never won three championships in a row. There's several other concerns, but I'm not here to harp onto LeBron James. He's one of my favorite players I've ever seen play. I am legitimately a LeBron James fan, so I'm not here to discredit him. I'm just here to say that him, Jordan, Kobe, Kareem, Magic Johnson, they're all in this tier one where they can be considered the GOAT. I believe that LeBron is a ring or two away from being able to be in the objective number one conversation. But I don't want to close out with that type of energy. I want to end this Lakers section by saying congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been a long year for them. Again, rest in peace to the late, great Kobe Bryant, as well as his daughter and the other passengers on that helicopter. And I can't wait for the next NBA season. I think that it could potentially be better than this one. It should be better than this one. So everyone that came together to make sure that the bubble could succeed got the job done. Kudos to them. Now, the other league that's trying to follow up here with the successful mid-COVID season is the National Football League, where... I mentioned last week that they were going through a rough time. A lot of coronavirus cases were popping up. They were getting false positives. They didn't know how to deal with the situation, shuffling schedule around. But the NFL figured it out, and the team that was being credited as having the first outbreak was able to play this week, and in fact won in a dominant fashion. They are an undefeated team, the Tennessee Titans. So they're still facing pop-ups here and there, assistant coaches, training staff, but they've figured out how to at least calm it down for now and seem to be able to progress relatively well. So with a complete week of NFL football, 
I can address the new narratives that have been brought up this time. And the team that I just last week spoke about how I have to continue talking about them, the Dallas Cowboys lost their best player, Dak Prescott, the quarterback for the team. He had an unfortunate injury. He broke his ankle and is out for the season on a contract year at that. For those unfamiliar, that pretty much means that the team, it's to the team's full discretion whether or not they want to pay him. He's not locked into a deal at the moment. And just to extrapolate this out to you, the listener, it's just a stark reminder that Life comes at you fast and you need to learn how to adapt. Those who are the most agile are typically those who are the most successful in life as they can adjust to every scenario thrown their way. This is a prime opportunity for Dak Prescott to rehab, go as hard as he can and come back stronger. And as I always say, learning from your losses is the most important lesson anyone can learn in life. So as Dak Prescott rehabs, I hope that can be some sort of an inspiration for you, whether you know him or not, just a reminder that everyone goes through their own trifes, strifes, struggles, and the ones who have turned those into lessons are usually the ones you see at the top. So as I will wish for anyone who ever gets hurt, I hope he has a speedy recovery, everything goes well. I know especially he's had a tough year, and I won't address too much on it, but I hope everything goes well from him. And what that means for me is I can't talk about the Cowboys anymore. Unless their backup quarterback is playing at an unbelievable level and plays them right into the playoffs, I'm going to have to retire the Cowboys for the rest of the year. They're going to have to give me something to talk about with them. Their free coverage for me. You're going to have to pay me now to cover them. With most of the other games going as expected, the Seattle Seahawks are still undefeated, though. They won on a very close game. The Cleveland Browns, a team that not too long ago was being ridiculed for losing every single game in their season, they look good. Their offense is clicking, their defense has been clicking. And they look ripe for at least a playoff appearance. They should win a game based on what they're showing at the moment. But the biggest news was something that came last night. Former superstar for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Le'Veon Bell. This was a running back who played for the Steelers. He was perennially a top 10 talent in the league. His peers had all types of high praise for him. He was just an unbelievable player, and due to contract complications, he left that team to go to the New York Jets, which both the New York Jets and the New York Giants are the worst teams in the league right now. So a superstar went to a horrible team, and now no one knows how good he is because he's playing for such a horrific team. So Le'Veon Bell, who appeared to have issues with the coach, who I'm assuming he blamed for their issues, asked to be traded or released from the team and got his wish granted. And when he was released, everyone in the league was put on notice. Anyone who played fantasy sports was put on notice. Anyone who was an NFL fan was put on notice. 
Because while people don't know if he's still the superstar back that he used to be, he could be. And that's worth the risk if you're getting that. So with the sweepstakes taking its form barely even a day later, we find out that Le'Veon Bell has been signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. The same Kansas City Chiefs that just gave their quarterback Patrick Mahomes $500 million over 10 years. The same Kansas City Chiefs that just won the Super Bowl now could be potentially getting a top 10 talent at the running back position. It's still to be seen, to be determined, but it's something to be put on notice. And the only thing I took away from this in terms of real life implications is the rich get richer. It's a statement on the fact that no matter how good you think you are, you can always be better. It would have been easy for the Kansas City Chiefs to have said, oh, we're a Super Bowl contender. Why do we even need to take a risk with this guy? The reason is you could be better. You could be more dominant. They just lost a game that they shouldn't have lost, in my opinion. But it's just a statement on the fact that everyone can find ways to improve themselves. Not everyone could just tell you how you can be a better version of yourself. Sometimes you just need to find it within you, but there's always a better version of you somewhere out there. And that's all I wanted to take from that segment, the NFL segment, as I transition into the music segment, where there wasn't any major releases this week. But this week, the Billboard Awards took place. The Billboard company is the people who rank the songs, the artists at the end of the year. They're the same people. When you see album sales for artists, it's typically the billboard company that's deciding it, that's tallying everything up and judging who is or isn't performing extremely well or the opposite. So billboard, the company that's been having a lot of controversy lately from artists trying to game the system. The artist who kind of got away with it was Travis Scott. Uh, A couple years ago when he released his last album, Astroworld, Travis Scott put together a bundle, but not a bundle where you just get a shirt or you get some extra accessories. Travis Scott made it so that any merchandise purchase he had counted towards an album sale. You might not even have liked Travis Scott's music. You potentially could have cared less, but maybe you liked a shirt of his and now that counts as an album sale for him. And he got that in before Billboard adjusted and as a result, his inflated numbers will forever stay in the system. So now Billboard, that's in the middle of trying to clean it up, just further solidify their regulations They had their award shows where several notable people performed. The most famous one is probably John Legend. And I could be nitpicky here and say X, Y, and Z shouldn't have won this award because of whatever I believe. I can tell you right now that I disagreed with most of, if not all, of the awards given out. But I also know that Billboard grades on a much different scale from typical award shows. They're obviously very different from the Grammys. So when Billboard decides this is the top artist, they're not 
looking at total performance in terms of impact, you know, what your role was in culture for the entire year. They're just looking at who put up the best numbers. So the person who ran away with all the awards was Post Malone, who hasn't even dropped an album this year, which is why the Billboard Awards don't really make that much sense to me. Post Malone, whose album, his last album, Hollywood Bleeding, was released last year, it dominated numbers-wise. Because for whatever you believe about Post Malone, he's exceptional at creating pop songs. And to my understanding, most of the numbers that he receives are from him dominating radio. So it's not really a gauge of whether he's the most popular artist at the time. It's the gauge of, is his music good enough to sustain on the radio unlike anything we've ever seen before to some extent? He has some unbelievable runs of just being able to be relevant strictly off of being easily consumable music. Not too long ago, I took a trip out to Europe. And while I was there, I heard about five songs from Post Malone in the span of less than an hour on a radio. So Post Malone is dominating these charts, though he is, and I think most people would agree, He's not even close to being the most relevant artist in music. But as I said before, Billboard judges much differently. And based on their numbers, he is. He's the top artist, the top male artist. He has a top song. He just ran away with all the awards. Outside of the Grammys, it's somewhat gotten to the point, and the Grammys are even teetering on the line of these award shows falling out of relevance for these artists. While it's important to be acknowledged for things you do if you're great in anything, these award shows are so skewed in their methods that it can be difficult for artists who might be more relevant or outperforming from a niche perspective to put any value into those awards. I don't know if the answer is for these award shows to reduce how much they skew for there to be more award shows that bring more light to other things. I know for the film industry, they obviously have a plethora of award shows for the major films, the indie films. They have something to recognize everyone. Maybe music needs something similar because The only award show that holds any significant weight, in my opinion, is the Grammys because everyone knows what a Grammy is. People want to hear your speech when you win a Grammy. So the Grammys have still held weight in the culture, but even the Grammys themselves have been questioned on a regular basis of what they are using to judge. Who are these people? Now, if they were to have put the greatest artists of all time in corresponding genres in those rooms, and they were selecting the award winners, I would have little to rebut. But unfortunately, we don't know who is in there. And I highly doubt that it is these artists because they would say something. So when you have people winning Grammys, I remember the most recent Grammy award ceremony For the hip-hop category, Tyler the Creator won for his album Igor, which I thought was an amazing album. But he and I agreed that that was not a hip-hop album. There's 
the box of genres, the urban word that's constantly thrown around, and that extends to other things as well. What, it, what, what category is Billie Eilish in? The only category that I've seen generally have no complications with who they select is the country music because I don't know who is controlling that sound, but whoever's at the top is keeping it tight. And the only person who challenged that was Little Nas X, who we know that controversy launched him into being, for the period that Old Town Road ran, a superstar. And I'm sure that the traditional, and I, I'm using air quotes for everyone listening, the traditional country artists would be extremely upset if they lost to Little Nas X. It's just some food for thought. I think everyone should be acknowledged in their respective categories. While I always try and do my own personal thing amongst my friends where I have discussions about what was the top 10 albums of the year, that's more preferential. In general, I think it's more fair to say, okay, these are the R&B albums that I like this year. Let's put that in order. These are the hip-hop albums I like this year. Let's put that in order. Country, et cetera, et cetera. That's how I believe is the most fair way to do it. And though the Grammys is the best at it, there's definitely room for improvement there. And I, along with many other people, this isn't new, would like to nudge them in that direction with my voice. But moving on, I mentioned there wasn't any prominent releases this week. The only album that I'm looking at is... A man who's not prominent in pop culture, I would say, but someone I'm a fan of. Upstate New York Buffalo rapper Benny the Butcher released a project today that I'm going to be checking out. But the main thing outside of the Billboard Awards that I wanted to highlight was as I was going through the news for the week, something that struck my feed was something that And I obviously, this was something that I thought before the podcast because there's no record of me making this statement. But for the podcast industry, one thing that I had, I guess, critiqued before I even entered it myself was if an artist wants their music played on a podcast, how does that contribute to their overall wealth? We already know that Artists, at least in their eyes, and I side with the artists here, they are underpaid for what they contribute. With podcasting still being to some extent in its infancy, questions were raised of if someone listens to a podcast, most people don't even have music in them. The only podcast that I know of that frequently releases with new music to listen to is the Joe Budden podcast. But even there, people have shied away from including licensed music because the music industry hasn't adjusted yet. They don't know how to count podcasts playing your music. But I saw this week that Spotify is launching a feature and they described it akin to spoken word where you can include artist music in your podcast by officially inserting it, and it counts towards that artist's streams. Now, that has some tremendous impact if it's implemented correctly. 
At the moment, it's just a test run, and it's only implementable by using Spotify's personal distributor. It's called Anchor. I'm not on Anchor, so I can't be one of those test subjects at the moment, but I've said for a while that I think that this is something that needs to change. I think that relatively soon we'll see artists be able to license out their music to podcasts, whether for a fee or not. Something I proposed was having a monthly fee where you could have access to the library or make it more accessible where you pay a scaled amount. You could pay an artist directly for using their music. Just making the medium a lot easier. Now there's all types of hurdles and loops and lawyers to jump through to be able to use an artist's music. I would love to be able to come here and play you some of the songs that I've been listening to rather than just having to say, oh, I like this song and you have to go through all the work. If Apple and Spotify could implement such a function, that would make things a lot easier and potentially create a completely new revenue stream for the artist. So it's a win-win. I just hope that if they decide to make this change, Spotify and Apple doesn't decide to take huge chunks out of the profits from it. It should be a directly podcaster to musician artist relationship. And that's all I wanted to mention there. And again, as the film industry has halted that segment, I thought this would be a good time to insert some news that isn't related to my four pillars, but still an important facet of pop culture. The world-famous company, and I believe the highest-valued company, Apple, had a big event this week. And just to address some takeaways, the main thing that the event was announcing was the iPhone 12. And I'm going to give you some takeaways and breakdowns from it to hopefully keep you just up to date on what's going on in that sphere. So Apple announced the iPhone 12 that's coming in four models. The iPhone 12 mini, the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 Pro, and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. The basic upgrades here that you're going to be able to notice is it now has 5G compatibility. That's what they were playing up. All the headlines were about 5G. So now, while most people don't have 5G, if you invest in this phone going forward, it will have the 5G compatibility whenever that comes, which corresponds to faster downloads, faster speeds, just an upgraded LTE, to put it in layman's terms. In terms of the model of the phone, it has better water resistance, it's a flat screen, a special aluminum build, better drop protection. I'm not sure how they gauge the drop protection, but they're saying it's better. It's upgraded quality. It's what you get from Apple. It's nothing that's breaking the bank innovatively, but the screen is upgraded. It has better brightness, colors, edges. And as always, the one thing that they'll always play up, if nothing else, is the camera. The camera has been upgraded, especially with adjusting to lighting. That's pretty much the main difference when you go from the 12 mini and regular 12 to the Pro and Pro Max. The Pro and Pro Max have noticeably better cameras and come in new colors. 
But I'd say the most unexpected change, and I use unexpected sparingly, several people did guess this, and the rumors were leaked that this would be the case, is not just that the phone's no longer going to be coming with a charging block, it's just going to be coming with a wire, but now they're trying to play up the wireless charging. The charging where you take the back of your phone and put it on this device, this circular device, and it charges your phone through that. So to make things easier, there's now a magnet function. And I'm describing it here on my phone to hopefully paint a picture for you. There's a magnet function in the back of the phones that can easily snap to the wireless chargers and charge your phone that way rather than having to plug something in. So my assumption with that, they claim that the main reason for removing the charging block is to be more sustainable, which makes sense. I'd assume that they're trying to slowly ease people into not having to even use wires to where you just have this charging block, you slap your phone onto it and keep it moving. And with the magnet in the back of the phones, the implications are obviously endless with accessories. You could have a case that's snapped to your phone so it won't fall and simultaneously charges it. So it could be less bulky than typical charging cases have been. In general, you could get more creative with the cases because of the magnets. A lot of people have the cases where you could slide cards in and out that might have a better grip now. So Apple's making moves in terms of being sustainable and moving people towards the wireless charging. That encompassed the bulk of the event. That was a quick summary of what they discussed. And I fully expect, as Apple still hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, that this is going to be a highly coveted device. People are going to try and get their hands on this. But lastly, discussing another item or items that people are going to start going crazy to get their hands on if they haven't already is in the gaming industry. The PlayStation 5 did their first user interface reveal. User interface being what you see when you turn on the PlayStation, the home screen, what is it going to be like to load into games, and it screams innovation. Sony is deciding here to move towards a minimalist approach. It has easy access. They removed a lot of the empty space, a lot of the space they use for the menus with the settings, profiles, things of that nature, in favor of just putting the game cards, the little things that display what game is able to be played at the moment. And they're using most of the space on the screen to preview the game. So to paint this picture, you load up and they'll have a tiny card that's just enough for you to see what game it is. And let's say hypothetically, it's a music game and it shows the picture. And while you have the cursor on the picture, it's going to be displaying just previews of people playing the games and things of that nature to just show you. The other implication is because of the lightning fast loading screens. As you load onto your game, it could hypothetically show you exactly where you're at. They now have a list that'll show you your objectives in the game. They have built-in walkthroughs so you don't have to go to YouTube like everyone was already doing. 
speech to text. Now, I don't know anyone that was frequently using the text capabilities of the consoles, but now they're making that more seamless. There's screen sharing abilities there. The PlayStation, once again, makes a good move here. I don't think it's anything mind-blowing the way that I gave Xbox a lot of credit for their move with Bethesda. But again, Sony's trying to widen the gap. They're trying to come with the exclusives, the better content. And we'll see if Xbox does anything to try and move the needle before the console's release because we're rapidly approaching the release date for the next-gen consoles. And the only other thing I wanted to know here is I've been doing a lot of reading on what's been going on in the gaming industry. And something that I've noticed is I think the future of the industry is going to be the socialization of gaming. Now, that might sound like something that's already occurred because we know about the prominence of multiplayer games, Fortnite, Call of Duty, just to name a couple, NBA 2K. But the problem is the extent of socialization that exists right now is mostly trash talking. I think that now they're going to be fixing the quality of the microphones so you can hear people more clearly with the bass microphones. They want to make it easy for you to interact, to enter into group chats, group voice chats. My projection is... Coming out of an era that I would say was dominated by single-player experiences, a lane may be opening for the revolution of co-op games. Not just playing Call of Duty or Fortnite with your friends, but legitimately making games that are committed to having co-op experiences and ensuring that it's easily accessible. And based on my knowledge, I think that co-op gaming was prominent during the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 days. They did a good job with that, but I think it somewhat fell off as, quite frankly, these industry companies didn't focus too much on it. But the way I see them developing, the way I see competitive gaming coming into the scope of things... I could easily see that becoming its own prominent genre like it never was before. And the last thing that I've been noticing that I wanted to shine a little bit of light on is while Western gaming has to some extent dominated in terms of the single player games, that experience and in opposition, or maybe not in opposition, but in competition, we see a lot of the Eastern side of the world being ahead of the game with co-op gaming in the multiplayer sphere. League of Legends, Vainglory, these multiplayer games were somewhat ahead of the curve. Final Fantasy. These predominantly Asian gaming companies have dominated the multiplayer sphere as far as I've seen. And I think we're going to also in the next generation experience a lot of cross-pollination. Some... Eastern solo games rising to prominence in the Western side of things and some Western multiplayer games rising to prominence in the Eastern side of things. I just wanted to put out some of my projections in that sphere and close out the podcast today by saying 
Thank you once again for listening. I appreciate you taking out the time to just hear what I think about what's going on in the world today. Hopefully dropping some gems for you. And just making sure that in these turbulent times, you could just know about some of the good things that are going on in the world. Some of the things that are putting smiles on people's faces, which is one of the greatest things a person can do. So like this podcast if you enjoyed it, leave a review, share it, tell everybody you know. And let me know what you think. Let me know if there's anything I can improve on as I'm always looking for ways to better myself. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.